Chapter 2 It's harder on Zuko than it is on him. Sokka realizes that right away. He can go a couple feet from Zuko before he feels the sharpness of the tug. But Zuko grimaces when there's even a foot of distance between them. He doesn't complain, but Sokka can see how bad it is. Without saying anything about it, he tries to keep close. He doesn't know why it's like this. Maybe Kojin has more power over Zuko because Zuko has fire in his blood? At night, he wakes up to the sound of whimpering. There's Zuko, curled up with his hands clenched in his hair. Sokka doesn't know if he's having a nightmare, or if the pain is worse than Zuko will let him know. If it's harder to hide when he's asleep. Either way, Sokka scoots closer, resting his back against Zuko's. And after a while, the whimpering stops. When he wakes up, Sokka is starving. You, he says, grabbing Zuko's arm. For a moment, just a moment, Sokka could swear he sees the firebender flinch. Then Zuko yanks his arm back. Don't touch me, he says in a low voice. Don't be such a princess about it, Sokka says. Come on. He stalks over to a heap of brush on the shore, and Zuko follows, rubbing his arm like Sokka's touch is still there, lingering like a stain. Sokka plops down and rummages for a long stick, then starts whittling the tip with his knife. What are you doing? Zuko asks. What does it look like I'm doing? He says, not looking up. If I knew, why would I ask? Sokka smirks. My people have lived off the sea for generations, he says. I've been fishing my whole life. You're about to see a master at work. Zuko is watching him, impassive. Uh-huh, he says. Give me an hour and I'll get us breakfast. Zuko keeps watching him work for a while. Then he walks down to the edge of the water and sets it all on fire. He hikes up his leggings and wades in, tossing handfuls of roast fish onto the shore. Each fish lands with a pronounced thump. An hour, Zuko says, coming out of the water. Shut up, Sokka says. His face is burning. He keeps whittling out of spite. If you have to be washed up on a beach in the middle of nowhere, it helps to have a firebender, although Sokka would never admit it. Zuko can boil the salt out of the seawater so they don't die of thirst, even if drinking hot water under a hot sun is unpleasant at best. They use a small bowl Sokka keeps in his pack. Afterwards, Zuko boils more water and they splash it on their faces and arms, already white with salt. If they ever get back to land, Sokka thinks, bathing is going to be very awkward. So, Sokka says, it's the evening of the second day, and he's beginning to scramble for a way out of the stasis they're stuck in. Tell me what you know about Grumpy Volcano. Zuko drags a hand down his face. Please don't call him that. He can't hear me, Sokka says. Zuko glances around. Sokka bursts out laughing. <laughs> oh, come on, he says. You can't seriously believe. I have a hard time believing that after all this... Zuko hisses. You don't have any respect for the spirits of the Fire Nation. Listen, pal, he says. I got kidnapped by a giant panda. If that didn't change my mind, nothing will. Zuko looks at him, bewildered. I don't want to explain it, Sokka says. Look, back to the topic at hand. What's the guy like? The guy, Zuko repeats. Agni, I'm chained to a fucking idiot. Feeling is mutual, buddy, he says. Zuko glares at him for a while before answering. Granted, Sokka's seen a lot of glaring from Zuko, 
but he hasn't really been close enough before all this to notice his eyes before. He doesn't know how anyone gets eyes like that, the color of the sun. He shivers a little and looks away. Kojin is the spirit of three ways, Zuko says, still sounding irritated. He governs all the volcanoes of the archipelago. How did he get the name? He can be... Mercurial, Zuko says carefully, and Sokka snorts. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, there are sides to him, Zuko says defensively. Just like anyone has sides. He reaches down, cupping a handful of black sand and watching it run through his fingers. He can be very destructive, but he's also a spirit of beginnings. He purifies, like fire. Purifies? Sokka repeats. Like the salt water he says, gesturing. You saw what I did with that. Fire removes impurities. Fire starts over. That's not the only thing fire does, Sokka says. Zuko's smile is dark. Yeah, well, he says, and when he looks down again, all Sokka can see is the red waist of his scar. Three ways. How do you know all this anyway? My mother, Zuko says, and doesn't explain. His mouth is a soft line. Did you ever see the lights down south? Sokka asks. I didn't look up at the sky much, Zuko says, and for some reason, that's the thing that makes Sokka feel bad for him, the angry boy with the one-track mind. They're really beautiful, he says, green and blue and purple. They sort of dance in the sky. Sokka wiggles his fingers. People say they're supposed to be spirits making passage between this world and theirs. Zuko raises his eyebrows. So, you believe in dancing lights? He says. But you don't believe in the volcano spirit. What happened to spirits are bullshit. Yeah, well, Sokka says, looking away. I had a mother, too. At the end of the third day, gathered around the fire, Zuko asks him again. The brush is wet from the sea. It whistles and gives off white smoke as it snaps. So, are we going to find my uncle or what? Sokka breathes out heavily. Sokka breathes out heavily. I can give you my word, Zuko says, on my honor. The thing is, Sokka says, the thing is, your honor doesn't really matter to me. There's a whole ship full of people you can't vouch for. They're my crew, Zuko says, sounding hurt. I can vouch for them. They're the fucking Fire Navy. It's not like that, Zuko says, but he doesn't explain what it is like. I need more time. We can't stay here forever, Zuko points out. And Sokka knows that. He does. But it just makes him feel worse. Zuko has routines. It doesn't take too long to learn them. As much as Sokka thinks about him as erratic and uncontrolled, he's basically a creature of habit. In the morning he meditates. In the afternoon, when the sun is highest, he practices his firebending. It involves a lot of punching and grunting. Does firebending always sound constipated? Sokka asks. Zuko chokes. That's what you sound like, Sokka says. That's what you look like, too. He twists up his face, bugs out his eyes. Zuko snarls and stalks away, only to crumple like he's hit a wall. Sokka scrambles to his feet. Hey, he says, kneeling down next to him. Hey, hey, buddy. Zuko is collapsed on his side, covering his face, like it's something he doesn't want Sokka to see. It's the short leash. Sokka felt the tug when he stomped away, the ache, but Zuko's body is twisted up like it's much worse. 
Before he even understands what he's doing, Sokka puts his hands on Zuko's side. He feels the prince's body tense with surprise, then softens as the pain starts to ebb. He curls his body towards Sokka silently. It's okay, Sokka says, patting his hip awkwardly. I'm right here. It sounds idiotic the moment it leaves his mouth. Why does it matter if Sokka is right here? Zuko hates him. Zuko doesn't want him to be right here. But Zuko doesn't smirk at it, or scoff, or turn away. He stays curled with his face covered for a long time. When his hands come away, they're wet. And Sokka, always a gentleman, pretends not to notice. It takes a few days for Zuko to peel off his armor. Underneath, his skin looks burnt from the sun and the salt water, rashes wringing his neck and arms. Sokka winces just looking at him. Stop it, Zuko says quietly. Stop what? You know, Zuko says. Just stop. He rolls over, his back towards Sokka. Jerk bender. It isn't until morning that Sokka realizes what it means for Zuko to take off his armor, for Zuko to turn away from him like that. It's not trust, but at least Zuko has stopped thinking Sokka will stab him in the back. Okay, listen, Sokka says. I'm listening. We have to find another shrine, he says. The old one's probably destroyed, right? Or buried in slag. Zuko says grimly. So we find another, he says. Zuko makes a face at him. And then what? He asks, skeptical. We pray? Nope, Sokka says, grinning. We argue. It isn't easy to figure out which way to turn, whether to follow the shore or head into the island's interior. Their best bet is to find another volcano. It shouldn't be too hard in a nation built from volcanoes but it helps that Zuko knows what the land approaching a caldera looks like, the shape of the rock and the feel of the soil. He can be... less than useless, sometimes. He hasn't said much to Zuko of... He hasn't said much to Zuko about the plan, because he doesn't think Zuko will like it, the particular argument they'll have to make, and while Sokka knows himself well, he's kind of an asshole sometimes. He's fundamentally pretty conflict-averse. He'd rather have Zuko yelling at him for as little of the journey as possible. Look, he says, prodding Zuko. The firebender rolls over, grumbling. Don't poke me. Don't be so pokeable, Sokka says. Now look up. Zuko rolls onto his back. It's the evening of the fourth day, the first day walking into the heart of the island. What do you see? Sokka asks. It's night, he says. Sokka screams a little inside. No shit he says, but what do you see? It's quiet for a while as Zuko looks up at the sky, as Sokka looks at Zuko looking. He has a thoughtful expression, a little strained. I actually don't see a lot, Zuko says finally, generally. Sokka doesn't know what to say to that. Oh, he says. Firebenders don't see that well in the dark to begin with, Zuko says. And then I... He trails off, touching the permanent squint of his left eye. Sokka turns on his side, facing him. He hasn't thought too much about what happened to Zuko's face. It's just... his face. He's never known another Zuko. He supposes, once, there had to be another one. Well, there are stars up there, just over that tree, if you can make them out, Sokka says. There's one in the shape of a net. There's silence. The silence of Zuko trying. I'm sorry, he says quietly. 
Don't be sorry, Sokka says. It's just a story I know, about the net the wolf mother made when she was shaping the moon. He spreads his fingers over the shape of the constellation, like he can curl his hands around it and snatch it from the sky. She made a net so tight she could scoop water from the sea and it wouldn't run free, and then she poured the water into a bowl and it became the moon. Zuko is quiet, chewing his lip in the dark. It's a nice story, he says finally. I'm sorry I don't see it. And there it is, the soft ache in his heart like a tugged string. You're not missing anything, Sokka says, and closes his eyes. Going into the interior was the right idea, in terms of getting where they needed to go, but it's been a lot harder to find food. It's all scrubby forests, low-lying berries. They catch a couple lizards. Once they're roasted, Sokka tries not to look at them too hard. Zuko just stares down at him. It has a tail, he says. Just shut up, Sokka says wearily. Please. He bites down. They're both getting scrawny, even without a reflection to look at. Sokka can see himself mirrored in Zuko's body, the haggard look of him. It's worse for Zuko, probably, although he never says a word about it. Sokka's seen the way his firebending sessions dwindle down to nothing, how small and fickle their campfire gets when he lights it. Firebending, he thinks, must take a lot of energy out of a person. It uses them up, like tinder. One thing he appreciates about Zuko, he never complains. He backtalks when he thinks Sokka is being stupid, or when he doesn't agree, but when things are genuinely, painfully hard, he just closes his mouth and presses on. He can admire that, even if he doesn't like Zuko. Even if he never will. Obviously. The downside to it is that Sokka never has anyone to complain with. Hey, Zuko, he whispers in the night, rolling over. Yeah. There's the rasp of his voice in the dark, oddly comforting. Zuko isn't sleeping either, and that comforts him too. I'm really, really hungry, Sokka says. The firebender sighs. I know. Are you hungry? Zuko pauses, like he needs to think about it. I guess, he says. Mostly I just know you're hungry. He touches the center of his chest. I feel it here. Sokka looks at him, baffled. What do you mean you feel it? You don't? Zuko turns to face him, eyes bright in the dark. I feel it when you're hungry, he says. I feel it when you're thirsty or when you're hot. I'm always hot, Sokka says. Yeah, I know, Zuko says uncomfortably. He rubs his face. Point is, I feel it here, he says, touching his heart again. Not as strong, but a little echo. A little echo, Sokka repeats. He likes the sound of that, rolling in his mouth. That's pretty, he says. Don't make fun of me, Zuko mutters, turning over. I'm not. Hey. He touches Zuko's arm. I'm not. Zuko looks back at him, uncertain. I'm not, Sokka repeats. Okay, he says, but he won't meet Sokka's eyes. I don't get why you feel it and I don't, Sokka says. It's always been stronger on me, Zuko says. We know that. The we makes Sokka feel a little funny for a minute. He hasn't been a wee with Zuko before. He doesn't know if he wants to be. Maybe you're just sensitive, he says. He can feel Zuko's body heat up next to him. Shut up, he hisses. Sensitive, Sokka sings. I'm not, he insists. 
Maybe you're just... Zuko struggles for a word. Maybe you're just blind, he says, to a lot of things. There's an easy snide remark Sokka can make here, but he doesn't have the heart to do it. He rolls onto his stomach, resting his chin on his arms. Yeah, he says. Maybe I am.